And, you know, our goal at Spot Easy is to make is to streamline the rental process so that people understand what they're walking into. They understand what the broker's job is. They understand what the brokers are doing. They understand who to work with and how to work with them. So that is really easy and straightforward. And, you know, we're kind of a third party validation for those rental agents saying that, hey, look, here's a resource that you can go to that you can understand the rental market, how to look, you know, where to look, what you should be talking about beforehand with, you know, a partner or a roommate or whoever you might be moving with and really make it easy for people to understand the steps as to finding and locking down a place so that they're not two weeks out from their moving date being like, what, where am I going to live? So... Hello, 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 the Real Estate Law Podcast with another episode today. And Rory, we are talking about a really popular rental market, and that's here in the Boston area. And a lot of what we talk about today is going to be applicable to lots of the major metropolitan areas around the country. I should say, first of all, my name is Jason Muth, Straightforward Short-Term Rentals. We have our real estate attorney and broker here, Rory Gill. But Rory, you intimately know the Boston rental market, and we have another expert on here, who we'll introduce in a second, who might even know it a little bit more than you because he's living it all day, every day. I'm sure he knows it more than me, but this is a really unforgiving market, both in terms of both for the people who are in it, the landlords and the tenants who are trying to navigate navigate this, and particularly tenants right now finding their their next home, but also for the professionals that are working it for real estate agents right now. This is a really difficult time. There are a lot of things that are changing and making the job that they have known for years very difficult. So that's why I'm excited to see some innovation in the space, some ways that maybe can empower real estate agents uh, or certainly empower the their clients. So that's mm-hmm. a conversation I'm really excited to have for today. And you just said we're going to lean on Boston as an example and as an example for a lot of this, but this applies to everywhere else as well. Yeah, exactly. Don't if you're listening, don't think this is oh, it's a Boston episode. They're talking Boston again. Like, you know, they're based in the Boston area. Like, we're not going to listen to this. Like, this is applicable to your market too, because of the crazy world that we're in right now. And, you know, it's unpredictable. We have no idea the direction of where things are headed in the real estate world. And we hope that our guest today, our portfolio director with Spot Easy, Nathan Spielvogel, will be able to shed some light as to what we should be doing with this ridiculous rental market that we're in. So, Nathan, welcome to the podcast. Rory, right, Jason, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. We heard from your team and um, we're like, yeah, we love talking to Boston companies and we actually haven't really had a deep dive into the rental market in a place like Boston in a long time. I don't even know if we've ever done it, Rory. Um, so I said, this is this is perfect timing. And then I started seeing your Instagram videos and Nathan is all over Spotty's these Instagram videos. And I said, that's the guy we want on the podcast. He's the face of the company. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about Spotty. And then we have a long list of questions for you. Yeah. So I'm originally from Brookline, Mass. So I've been in the city for my entire life, currently in Brighton, Mass. So really haven't moved anywhere. Um, you know, been with Spot Easy for about a year now since they started in 2021. Joined because I love the mission. I love the vision. Uh, as a real estate agent, I was a real estate agent for about five years, led a team, mainly did transactions with the, in the rental space and uh, really kind of dived into how can we make it easier for people to find apartments in Boston? It's a really, really tricky market. And with Boston being such a transitory city with everybody coming in from, you know, for college, for jobs, for, you know, the hospitals, it's difficult. It's, and it's kind of, you know, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of, a lot of focus for a lot of people to, to make sure that those, you know, those transactions happen easily. 
and it's not easy for anybody who's coming in because it's not the same as anywhere else. So, what are some things that kind of sets our market apart? Um, I know it's it can become a full time job for a, a tenant to find a space of their own. So yeah, there's a there's a few things. One of the main things is obviously the cost. You know, it's when you're finding an apartment in Boston, it's as much it can be as much upfront as you know a down payment on a house other places. You know, for for example, a twenty five hundred dollar apartment, which is pretty standard in Boston, can cost you up to ten thousand dollars before you even step foot. You know, between what the city allows and what brokers charge, you know, it's really excessive, and a lot of people aren't ready for that. Also, the scheduling of everything. You know, Boston is is based off of September first and June first and January first, and those units become available seven, eight, nine months out. You know, before the the move in date. And so people are looking a month ahead of time, thinking that, oh, I got all the time in the world. And in reality, you know, the the market's been moving for six or seven months and they're late to the game. And then they have to write a check for $10,000. So it makes it really, really difficult for a first time renter kind of understanding how things happen in Boston. And it's, you know, not only is it confusing, but it also doesn't really sound legitimate a lot of times. And so people are looking at it as, Okay, how am I getting scammed? Is this a spam? Am I going to lose a lot of money? And you know, our goal at Spot Easy is to make is to streamline the rental process so that people understand what they're walking into. They understand what the broker's job is. They understand what the brokers are doing. They understand who to work with and how to work with them. So that is really easy and straightforward. And you know, we're kind of a third party validation for those rental agents saying that, hey, look, here's a resource that you can go to that you can understand the rental market, how to look you know, where to look, what you should be talking about beforehand with, you know, a partner or a roommate or whoever you might be moving with and really make it easy for people to understand the steps as to finding and locking down a place so that they're not two weeks out from their moving date being like, what, where am I going to live? So, you know, we are in an on-demand world where everybody expects things to show up at the door the next day. And you just characterized, you know, how far in advance people have to plan to find a really great apartment and it's been like that for a long time in this market. And, you know, you use the word, is this a scam? Because people outside, you're moving here from Minnesota or St. Louis or, you know, down south, you're like, wait, what do I have to do? And I mean, I'm not a real estate licensed professional where he is, but I could say I've lived in this area for over 20 years. It's not a scam. It's just kind of the way things are up here. And there's other markets that are like this too. I mean, you know, New York is probably not too diff different from what's happening in the Boston area, right? From my knowledge of New York, it's not in terms of the fees, it's not too different. One of the biggest differences with Boston is the fact that there's a lot of open listings, which is really, really confusing. It kind of you know attributes to some of the issues that the renters face. The open market essentially means that landlords will give out their listings to 50 or 60 brokerages, allow them to advertise those listings, allow them to rent those listings. And so when people are going on, you know, the bigger apartment platforms like, you know, Zillow or apartments.com, they might see the same place 30 or 40 or 50 times because there's 50 or 60 different brokerages advertising that same apartment. And that leads to a lot of the confusion because people are seeing the same listings from different people. If it's an older listing, it might be a different price, you know, and it really doesn't help our cause in terms of the, you know, the rental agents. Because they're looking at it as like, who do I trust here? Who do I believe? And it's almost, it's it's kind of, because it is the way that things have been, the 
platforms haven't necessarily adapted to the way that things are for the city. They're national platforms, you know, with a localized market. Spot easy what they're what we're doing is bringing a localized platform for a localized market, helping the renter understand what the agents are doing, what an open listing is, so that when they see the same things posted multiple times, they're not like, oh, this is a spam. It's no, it's multiple people have access to it and they're just trying to get themselves out there. Mm-hmm. You know, in the part of the city where you're based, Alston, Brighton, parts of Brookline, separate town, but those are volume of turnover and rentals is enormous. And that's why you see small independent brokerages on nearly every intersection um, throughout there. And with the open listings, you can have that same listing advertised by every single one of those brokerages in different ways with inconsistent ethics um, and skill. What has been the reception, your service by the agents who are working those neighborhoods? It's actually interesting. It's a lot better than a lot of people would think. It's we have since we started um, in the the product was launched April of 2021. We now have 2,700 agents on the platform, with about 800 of those being active everyday posters, um, and that's been really great for us. There's been a lot of market fit, and one of the things that we are focusing on is building a community with the agents. It is very much you know there's a lot of different small mom and pop brokerages at every single corner, and they don't interact and. and what we're doing is we're trying to bring them together. We've been throwing networking events for the agents. We just had one last week with over 500 agents that that attended. Um, and it was really, really great to see everybody, you know, working together and kind of understanding the mission and the vision of Spot Easy and how we want to grow and how we want to impact the Boston rental market to make it more trusted. Because at the end of the day, you know, agents are just looking to help the people find their, you know, their next apartment and be happy with the process. And I think leading up to getting in touch with that agent is very confusing. It's a very difficult process. And at the end of the day, we're just trying to simplify that and make it you know, a little bit easier, a little bit more understandable for those renters. Set you apart from the MLS, um, because there's always been that option to list your rental listings on the MLS, but not a lot of brokerages seem to do that, at least not as a first resort. What sets you apart from just the the MLS that already exists? One of the things with the, the MLS is, um, you know, you're supposed to have an exclusive contract with the the landlord. Now, sometimes it's a verbal contract, you know, helping a friend out. But also the MLS spreads it out to all the different agents and a lot of different agents nowadays with the demand, they're not even looking to, we call it co-broking a listing. It's working with another agent. If they can get the the tenant directly, they can, you know, it's it's as if you had a buyer and a seller, you know, went with a with a transaction. You get both sides of the transaction. You don't have to split the commission. And it's it's more advantageous for you. Ethically, you know, it's nor neither here nor there. It's kind of a gray area. But this year with the demand, there's a lot of agents out there that aren't co-broking these listings. They're not putting them on the MLS. They're just looking for to get the tenant directly. So it can really hurt the relationship that some people have with renters because if you have a if you have a renter that you've been working with, you might not be able to show them that apartment because it's not listed on the MLS. And when you reach out to the agent that is listing it, they may they might say they might be, well, I'm not interested in co-broking it. You can send them to me and I'll take care of them and maybe you'll get a referral fee. But that's one of the issues that we're seeing this year specifically with just the low amount of turnover, a lot of people are renewing their leases because it's so expensive to move. 
So it's kind of the, the lesser of two evils. That's really what we've been seeing. So people don't like to list on the MLS, the open listings, you can't necessarily list on the MLS because you might not have an exclusive agreement with that landlord. So what Spot Easy does is we host all different types of listings. We syndicate from the MLS so that people can, if they post their listings on MLS and they opt to Spot Easy, we'll pop, you know, their listing will populate on our site. And also we allow for regular posting so people can independently post their listings that they have that they might not want to put on the MLS or if it's an open listing, they're allowed to do that as well. Let me just kind of drive home just how bad this the prior arrangement is um, for people who are going through it. So we're talking about the idea that brokerages like to keep their rental listings as pocket listings, particularly in this market, makes complete rational sense because the odds are you'll be able to find a tenant yourself and not have to, um, or not be pressured at least to pay a cobra commission to um, a tenant's agent. So that makes perfect sense on that front. But what does that mean for the the tenant who's looking to move to Boston or just move within Boston? You know, how many brokerages do they have to engage? How many people do they have to talk to? How many spots do they have to be looking to find an apartment? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can get lucky on the first try, but odds are you're going to be talking to a bunch of different people. And what we've been trying to focus on is that you can definitely talk to multiple agents, right? But talk to agents in the area that you're interested in. For you based in South Boston, don't talk I mean, don't talk to somebody in Austin and Brighton. They might not have those listings um, that you have in South Boston. But when you're in South, you know, if you're looking for South Boston, you can talk to multiple different brokerages because they might have those those pocket listings. Um, your renting is very interesting. You don't sign a with buyers, you sign a buyer's contract, you work with a specific agent. Rentals not as much. You know, you don't want to necessarily be working with 15 or 16 different agents. You don't want to be shopping around, but you know, working with two or three different agents in the desired location is okay. And I think a lot of agents understand that. Um, and a lot of agents, you know, work to get that, you know, exclusive relationship with those with those renters. But at the end of the day, the renter has to do what's best for themselves, which you know, might mean working with two or three different agents, but it doesn't necessarily mean needing to work with 15 or 16 different agents. Let me just flip that around a little bit and talk about, you know, the implications of all these pocket listings, what it means for agents who want to represent tenants. I've heard lots of stories from other agents who, where this is a bigger part of their business and they'll work with somebody, take them to several different apartments, and then they find an apartment elsewhere and all that work is lost. And that's not something you generally see in the real estate purchase space um, where you have a client that you're going to work with a client and eventually you know, it may take a long time, but you'll find them a home. Um, the, with the tenant space, we have a lot of agents burning out. Um, quite frankly, it's been a recruitment tool for me, but adopting a tool like Spot Easy, how could it help a tenant um, agent kind of gain a little bit of uh, sanity while working in this space. Yeah, with with Spot Easy, one of the things that we do is we limit the amount of listings that an agent can post. Most agents don't, I mean, they might have access to two or 3,000 listings, but they're working in a very, you know, very small area. Whether it be Brookline, they might just be working in Brookline. Whether it be South Boston, they might just be working in South Boston. We limit the amount that an agent can post because a lot of times what it, what it was in the past was a, com- a competition of advertising how many leads can you get? It's very much a numbers game because, you know, the renters are shopping around. They're working with different people. A lot of times with the buyer, you know, if you're talking about a sales transaction, the buyer spends more time with that with that uh, client because 
the likelihood of them buying with that buyer's agent is higher and the likelihood of receiving a commission for that agent is a little bit higher. With renters, it's very much of a, a quick, you know, let's find you a place. And if it's not going to work out, we need to kind of move on. Um, with Spot Easy allowing us to post more legitimate listings, knowing that the the agents on our site are verified and they're not competing with bots or people who are just spam posting. Um, you know, it allows them to have more visibility for the listings that they're putting out there. So they know when, you know, somebody's coming from Spot Easy, uh, our renters coming from Spot Easy, it's a little bit more of a legitimate person. They've, they've, they've seen what's on the market. They've seen what's accurate. A lot of the issues with some of the other sites is that you can put out there things that aren't necessarily legitimate. Um, and it provides competition to the stuff that is legitimate. Um, I know specifically there are some sites that will have two or three year old listings and the price two or three years ago was very, very different. Um, and so people will see that, think it is legitimate. And, you know, the rental agent that's dealing with that client will be competing with something that doesn't exist. So this sounds so complicated. Like this is, <laughs> you guys, my head is spinning. I mean, you know, this, I, I'm the old one on here, uh, but I have done, or let me think, I've done bought and sold in South Boston twice and bought in South Boston once along the way. And then I rented an apartment in the South End before that. And I didn't go through any of this stuff. I mean, like it has been a completely competitive real estate market during my entire 20 years of owning real estate, dating back to 2003. My first condo in South Boston, I paid full price for. And when I tried to renegotiate, I was told, I have three other offers at full price. Do you want it or not? You know, so basically we let, we have two decades of a track record of it being a very complicated market and very competitive market that we have in Boston. It has not really ebbed and flowed. It just keeps getting more competitive and more competitive because more and more people seem to want to keep moving here, which we love, right? But you know, when, when you think about, I mean, the real estate markets love transactions. Like real estate agents like buying and selling. You know, the, when there's nothing happening, then no one's making any money. Mortgage brokers aren't making money. You're not making money. Rory's not making money. But man, it's just gotten so competitive. And, and throw the scams in there too. You know, I'm just thinking like my first apartment, I had a friend of a friend that needed a room rented and that's how I found it. Um, but I didn't have to go through Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, any of those places where there might be old listings, scam listings. Rory's brother sells stuff on Facebook Marketplace. And I don't know how he does it. Man, he's like, it just, it just feels so difficult and complicated. And any way that uh, technology, someone, you know, like yourself and spot easy can come in and make the process a little bit easier might be more helpful to folks. I mean, tech does lead to more scams though, you know, cause everyone's scamming people online. Um, but you know, you've addressed that and, you know, I want to talk a little bit more macro about the market right now, the way interest rates are. And, you know, when this episode comes out, they're certainly not going to be taking a nosedive. They're high and they, this is the highest they've been in a long time. That affects the rental market too. You know, maybe you can go into that a little bit, uh, Nathan, and talk about why uh, the logjam that we're having on the the real estate sales side is really affecting the people who are renting. I mean, you said people are renewing their leases more often. That's just one of the byproducts of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the you know the rate that you get when you renew a lease is going to be far less than if somebody was to to relist it. For example, the apartment that I'm in. If they wanted to relist it and put it on the market, it would be four or five hundred dollars more that they would be getting than what you know I would be paying right now. 
you know, my increase was very, very reasonable. It's only a hundred dollars, you know, year over year, which is much, much cheaper than, you know, throughout the year, it's going to be $1,200 difference than what they might be able to get, you know, if they put it on the market. And with that being said, you look on, you look on any of these sites and you're like, what you are getting, you know, you're going to be kind of taking a, you know, taking a hit in terms of the quality of the location, or you're going to be increasing what you pay. Right. And so it, a reasonable person, unless they need to move, they're not moving right now. And obviously, you know, with the the rates going up, it's almost cheaper to uh, to stay in where you are um, and you know hold out for more. Or if you're going to be buying, you're going to be spending more than what you might be paying for rent for a place that's not as nice further away. Or you're going to be putting up a lot of money. That definitely you know applies to why it might be a little bit tougher for people coming in. And what we've been seeing is that people have been kind of fleeing the city if they've been moving and they've been, you know, the amount of people that I talk to in the Alston and Brighton area and they're like, oh, I'm moving to Watertown, I'm moving to Waltham, I'm moving to Framingham. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been definitely, definitely going up. Those are just some of the reasons why you're seeing less and less inventory. It just doesn't make financial sense to move right now. And it makes it really, really, really difficult for the people coming in because they're looking at the what's available and it's it's shocking it's it's less what they'd expect it's more than what you know costs more than what they would expect um and if you're coming from a place that doesn't have the same you know the same kind of like the layout of of boston if you're coming from a you know a second class city or or even a rural area not a not a second class city but if you're coming from a, a smaller metropolitan area or a rural area it's like there's a sticker shock and and you can't believe it and you don't want to believe it and sometimes you go on those alternative sites and you see, you know, places that were listed two years ago for $1,500 and you want to hope and, you know, believe that that's real. And that's kind of how you get started in that path. But our apologies to all the second class city citizens <laughs> listening to this. We won't say, who, we, we won't say who you are, uh, <laughs> but you know, but hey, Boston is the hub of the universe, right? That's what we call it. <laughs> I've lived here my entire life. That's all I <laughs> You know, <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, like, we're really proud of where we live. We love this area. And, you know, this is just such a crazy log jam that's happening. You know, Rory, we see it. People don't want to sell their houses because they're sitting on interest rates of two, three, four percent. So they don't sell. So houses don't go on the market. So all those people that are in apartments who want to buy their first place, they have nowhere to buy. So then they're renewing their leases. Now, all those people that are coming out of college looking for that first place, they got nothing. Like this yeah. is this is a big old beaver dam. What's going on? It's and not only that, you know, there are people who are very well qualified to buy. They have saved up a down payment, they have good credit, and in other times they would have easily been first time home buyers. But with the lack of inventory on the buy side, those failed first time home buyers become tenants again. And now they're extremely well qualified tenants. So they're gonna start to displace the people who are not so well qualified, kind of shifting the renter profile that's out there, making it even more competitive for people who don't have perfect credit, don't have um, high income jobs to to find a place in the Boston metro area. It's just mind blowing that the people are they're negotiating what they're willing to pay for a rental price. Like a listing is listed at mm-hmm. three grand a month, and then you know there's the open house for forty people to come check the place out, and then it's. You know, what's your best and final offer on Tuesday? It's like, wait a second, we're renting. We're renting a place. Like, we have to do all that stuff for renting, too? I've read so many articles about this. Like, Nathan, this is happening, right? Yeah, rental open houses or something. When I started, it was strange and very, you know, 
you know, it's you got to submit your application before you see the place because you got 10, 10 or 12 other groups scheduled for the same time. And yeah, bidding wars are happening and it's absurd. And, you know, I don't necessarily like to see it for the renter's sake, but the landlords at the end of the day, you know, they hold the cards and they have the place and they choose who, who lives there. They want to maximize their investment. And, you know, I don't blame them, but at the same time, it's it's getting a little wild. Well, we're not going to ask you to solve all the uh, region's housing ills here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know, right? Uh, I mean, you're, we're, we're all part of it too, right? You know, you're you're renting your place. I'm sure that at some point you're going to want to rent either a nicer place or buy your own place. And, you know, hopefully things will subside by then. But, you know, along the way, SpotEasy is here to make things a little bit easier for people on all sides to make sure the transactions are safe and done securely and done efficiently. And how are you guys making money on this? It's great. One of the best things that I love about our product is that we don't charge agents. Agents are, you know, a lot of companies have come in and tried to charge agents and make it, you know, uh, a paid product for for agents and stuff like that. And it, at the end of the day, it doesn't work because it just, it alienates the agents. Um, but it also, you know, the people who are going to pay, they're going to take a more, you know, a majority market share. It's not necessarily going to give you an accurate representation of what's out there because they're just going to, you know, put, throw money at, at a product until, you know, they get the leads that they want. The way that we make money is the way that all of the other platforms make money. They charge the luxury buildings that have, that have the resources to pay for it. They're paying these other platforms, you know, absurd fees. And what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, charge those, those buildings that want to opt into our product. But we're also going to allow renters to see those luxury buildings separate than what's on there for, you know, open listings or exclusives that agents have. So a lot of times renters are more, you know, focused on living in a luxury, a luxury building with the amenities and the, the doorman, the guest, the gym, you know, the rooftop deck, you know, all of the valet parking, whatever it might be, you know, they're intentful on living there. We're going to make it a little bit easier for them to find those buildings. Um, and at the end of the day, we're able to, you know, sustain our, sustain our platform off of those buildings. Mm-hmm. Rory and I lived in a luxury building for a little bit, like between places. And I don't know, I just, kept, I just kept looking around saying, who are all these people and how could they afford this? Like I'm doing it for a month until my place is ready to, you know, we're moving into. And it was beautiful. There were great amenities. It was right. It was a great building. I don't want to say anything bad about it. You know, pool, garden, everything, perfect location. But man, it must've cost a fortune for people who live there. And I'm thinking, do the math of, when you move into this place, you mentioned, you know, a $2,500 place, you're bringing $10,000 when you, you know, when you move into the place, these units were not $2,500. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, these people are bringing like well into the five figures just to like have the pleasure of living in a place like this. It's wild. Yeah. Those buildings and, and they're popping up everywhere. You know, some of the zoning and, and what's been going on is you'll see these developments are happening. And, you know, Assembly Row is a great example. They're kind of repurposing you know, larger plots of land and building neighborhoods. It's interesting and it's, you know, awesome for the people that are able to afford to live there. Um, and, you know, congrats to them on their success. So, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, hey, if you go 30 miles north, the money you're putting down for your apartment could be a down payment for an FHA loan on a property, you know, 45 minutes away from Boston. But, yeah. um, but you know, that's a whole other conversation about wealth building, which um, has been well documented on this podcast. Uh, before you the final couple questions, Rory, any final thoughts you have for Nathan? I just want to know, you know, you are in this market, um, day in, day out, you know, what's, 
What do you see coming up in the future? What are some changes? Is there any relief in sight? It really depends. You know, I hope so. A lot of, you know, new buildings are going up and, and that might relieve some of the, you know, some of the stress that the market has in terms of availability. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, new buildings aren't being built for inexpensive units. You know, it's it's just fueling the the top 10% costs of those units. It does depend on the interest rates and people's ability to buy. Inventory on the sales side does kind of drive inventory on the rental side. If people are able to buy and move on and move up, then, you know, it does provide some relief. But if that's going to continue to, you know, trend the way that it has, it's definitely going to be more and more difficult until it kind of it's not that it's a bubble, but until people kind of are fed up with what they're paying and have to move elsewhere. And with the pushback to everybody coming back to work, being back in the office, you know, the desire to live in the, you know, in the inner inner parts of the city, you know, it's still at a high and it does make it very, very difficult to find a place. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there's some relief, but in all reality, unless some things change, it's definitely going to be, going to be kind of business as usual for the, for the next uh, season. Well, but we'll see. But the foreseeable future too, I mean, you have to look at demographics and population trends too. And there are just a lot more people that are coming into the rental and first-time buyer market than those that are moving on from this mortal coil. And, uh, hmm. you know, it just, it, I, I don't see it changing anytime soon unless there are some other factors that are going to cause, you know, a big change. Interest rate factors, you know, a complete shift from the cities that we thought we were going to see in COVID. And then that just reversed immediately, you know, like within a year. So, uh, you know, the only thing that is, is constant is change, right? Why don't we get to our final couple of questions that we ask of all of our guests as a way of wrapping up the, uh, the episode and learning a little bit more about you, Nathan. Um, so the first of these final questions, if you can get on stage and talk about any subject in the world for a half an hour with zero preparation, what would that be? There are two things. Obviously, I think the rental market would be one of them, the Boston rental market. I think I have a very firm grasp on that. And I think, you know, the neighborhoods and the second thing would be baseball. I played baseball for 22 years or something like that. I played baseball mm -hmm. and I had a great time doing it. And I'm always happy to talk about that. There you go. That's the answer we're looking for. What position? Oh, it's pitcher. Pitcher, lefty or righty? Righty. Favorite pitch? I threw a pretty good slider, I'll say. Really? It's nice. A funny story. I was actually at a uh, work event at the Red Sox and saw the uh, the Blue Jays lineup, and some guy hit the home hit a home run. And I was I was the name sounded familiar. Turns out he hit a home run against me. Uh, I was uh, in the, uh, in the, one of the summer leagues. So well, you're a good company. Did you play in the Cape League? Uh, no, I wish I played in, in the the Northwoods League. Um, it's a it's a very it's it's out in Minnesota. I played in Iowa. Uh, but it was great talent, a lot of, lot of interesting people. Oh, interesting. Okay, I've never heard of the league. Are they a feeder league like the Cape League? Very, yeah, very much. It was, it was like league or Northwoods. They're one of the top two all the time. You I mean, have to realize that you know Northern Michigan, Minnesota. You know there's places people like going in the summertime around all those lakes up there. That you know is just a complete world away for us. And if you're listening in that area of the country, I, I'd love to come visit one of these summers. You just haven't gotten out there yet. Second question we have: Tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today? Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of that, I would say one of the early things that happened was I almost didn't make the baseball team as a freshman. I was very undersized and, and it was definitely, I would definitely have to work very, very hard. And it kind of set my life up as, oh, you know, the, the harder you work, the, the more you can achieve. 
that really the way that I see working is is you know the harder you work the more you're going to get out and it might not always be the initial you might not it might not be you know tit for tat you might not put in the work and see the uh the reward immediately but you know day in day out grinding and kind of understanding that you know you will see the reward and you know we've seen that with spot easy it's not necessarily oh you don't launch a platform and there's immediate adoption you know you launch a platform and you continue to work and push the message and and build you know build the community and you know at that at some point there will be the adoption that you want and it's believing in the mission and the vision and you know having those goals really helps drive you know drive the the work that you do so mm-hmm. Sports is a great setup for business. I've said it before. I believe it. Whether you're coaching or playing, yeah, there are so many parallels. Final question we have. Tell us something you're listening to or watching or reading these days. Anything in the world. Oh, bigger pockets like <laughs> every day. I started like a lot of people in real estate. I started because I want to be at the end of the day a real estate investor. Definitely the the past few years of I, you know, it's uh you're looking at it, you're you're uh you're looking at the market and Boston might not be the uh, the first place that I choose to invest, but uh, listening to Bigger Pockets it always provides me the the inspiration that I need to, you know, to look into other markets and you know how I can be investing, how I can be allocating the money that I'm making, and and doing it in a smart way to build a long term you know financial stability in the future. So definitely not as long as they've been around. Probably this past few years, pretty hardcore, but. You know, it's kind of bouncing around between episodes, things that I find interesting. In terms of some of the stuff that I'm listening to, it's more so on, you know, the how people built it over, over like, you know, several, several years. A lot of people are very focused on like how quickly you're able to scale from one to a hundred units. Um, I think, you know, I'm more interested in the long, a little bit more long-term, a little bit more sustainable, a little bit less focused on leverage, a little bit more focused on, you know, how you can do it with, you know, with the job that you have without sacrificing, without over-sacrificing, sacrificing more than you need to, essentially. But Brandon Turner is great, so. <laughs> Rory, do you have something there? No, I was just going to say, for those of you who are stuck locked into these big markets where it seems so daunting, just even within Boston, a three-hour drive out of Boston in any direction gets you to a variety of different markets um, and you know places where you can use a variety of different um, investment strategies, so... Even if Boston isn't the place uh, in the city, we have some options up here. Yes, we we certainly do. And you know, one last comment of bigger pockets: you should go to BPCon at some point if you have not been. I went in 2022, and we had Dave Meyer on the podcast. Uh, that was we just recorded that last week, and that episode's going to be out by now. Um, but you know, he was a, a great recording. He's the guy that does on the market, which is another uh, excellent bigger pockets podcast. If you are not listening to that one, you definitely should uh, put that on your list. Well, Nathan, where can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you or SpotEasy? Yeah, so you can check out SpotEasy, uh, SpotEasy.com at any point in time. My email is Nathan at SpotEasy.com. And then obviously follow us at SpotEasy Boston on Instagram. If you want to learn about the rental market in short 15-second videos, that's the way to go. All right. Rory, where can people get a hold of you? Um, if you're looking for me, just go to RoryGill.com and you'll see all of the different ways to get in touch with me and the different ways I can help you out. All right. Great. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for the discussion. I love talking about the hometown uh, real estate market and very little that you said surprises me. My just jaw is always agape at what happens around here. So we'll have to come back on and and check in again many months from now and see, you know, if things are still going in the same direction uh, and how your business has evolved. But we wish you guys the best at Spot Easy. Any way that you can make it easier for people to find housing in Boston is a good thing. Yeah. Rory, Jason, thank you so much. 
Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review. One, two, three, four, five. We love all your comments. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to me, Jason, at nexthometitletown.com. And we will see if we get you set up. That's another episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.